Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Hello and good morning, and you're welcome to today's Signpost webinar. We hope you're keeping safe and well wherever you're joining us from today. So uh, today we're going to be talking about a very innovative project called the Ferti Manure Project. And we're, we know that the current dependency of EU agriculture on fossil-based mineral fertilizers has been identified as an extremely serious threat to food security across Europe and indeed the, the, the globe. However, the 1.4 billion tonnes of organic manures across Europe present a real opportunity for modern farming. Uh, The Ferti Manure Project is a project dedicated to develop strategies to efficiently recover minerals, uh, nutrients and other relevant products from animal manures. And the aim is to produce reliable and safe fertilisers that can compete in the European fertiliser market. And to discuss the Ferti Manure Project and uh, European nutrient management strategies, we're delighted to be joined by Dr. Oscar Schumann from Wageningen University uh, in the Netherlands and Dr. Nicholas Tevin from Ritmo uh, Agri-Environment in France. Uh, gentlemen, you're very welcome to this morning's webinar. Thank you very much for the invitation. And Pat, good morning to you. Pat, you're going to help us with questions uh, later on. Um, so uh, maybe, Oscar, uh, we could start with you and maybe give us a little introduction to the work that you're doing and, and your, your own background. Thank you very much. Um, I'm working as, an, uh, as a scientist at Wageningen University in research um, in the field of nutrient management and uh, environmental in- impacts already for uh, 37 uh, years. Um, main focus on programs like the nitrate directive, the water framework directive, but also circular economy and uh, the farm to fork uh, strategy. Over the last 10 years, I started to focus more um, into nutrient recovering, valorization of uh, bio waste streams, uh, biomass streams uh, to make products out of it that are safe and useful for uh, um, practice uh, on agricultural land. That's the main focus. And also that's the two projects I'm working on, Systemic. That's one of the projects on large-scale biomass uh, valorization and the fatty manure projects where we are looking at innovative uh, new technologies to make new products out of uh, biomass. Okay, thanks, Oscar. That's a really interesting career you've had. And I know I, I can tell now we're going to have lots of interesting questions for you uh, later on. And, and Nicholas, uh, welcome. You're based in uh, the Alsace region in France. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and your, yes. your own background? <laughs> Thank you. Hi, everybody. So um, I'm Nicholas and I'm working at Tritmore Agro Environment, which is a private research center working in the field of organic fertilization and, and environmental impact of fertilizers. And for me, more precisely, <clears throat> sorry, I'm working in processes for biomass transformation into fertilizers since 14 years now. And first I started with uh, anaerobic digestion or composting or vermicomposting. And now the last five years, my research focuses more on pyrolysis process and uh, of agricultural biomass and uh, evaluation of agronomic and environmental impacts of biotrope. So uh, I'm also involved in different national and uh, European projects in the thematic of uh, returning waste of byproducts coming from agro-industry to the field and always in the deployment of the circular economy. Okay, great, great. Yeah, no, definitely a lot of interest in Ireland on, on the, the whole biochar area as well. So I think there'll be a lot of people interested in your, your part of the presentation. Um, so Oscar, you're going to share your screen with us and um, start off the presentation. So Oscar, we'll hand over to you and um, we will uh, speak to you after the presentation. So not only the presentation of myself, also Kimo van Dijk, a colleague of mine at the Wageningen University and Research Center, and Arjan Prince from the Arjan Prince farm, where we are doing our uh, pilot case in, uh, in the Netherlands. And we're very happy that we have the opportunity to present here the, 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 the last uh, results coming out of this uh, fertile manure project. 
Um, first, going into the uh, what is the Fertile Manure project about? We're dealing with an increasing global demand of mineral fertilizers. Uh, more people coming in the world. Uh, we need to, uh, the, the, the food uh, amount needs to increase, so more fin mineral fertilizer has to be produced. On the other end, resources are de depleted. Uh, phosphate rock mines are going to be reduced a couple of hundred years and they are empty. On the other hand, and um, a lot of natural gas is being used to produce the nitrogen fertilizers. And what we see in Europe, there are regional nutrient imbalances between areas with intensive agriculture and areas extensive. And there is a need to redistribute and transport uh, the right products to the right place. So we consider organic waste um, uh, as, as a real opportunity to meet with the current goals of the bioeconomy, the circular economy, the farm to fork strategy, and all these sustainability goals. We have to go into a more transition to make use of all the products that we produce and reduce them. The current nutrient use efficiency is uh, going the use of fertilizers versus what is consumed is only 20 to 30 percent, so that's rather low. Um, what are the goals of the Fetmanure project to develop, integrate, test, validate innovative nutrient management strategies to efficiently recover mineral nutrients and other relevant products from agronomic value like uh, organic amendments and biostimulants? And we do that from animal manure because it's the main secondary resource of nutrients that, uh, that we have. And we finally want to have reliable, safe, tailor-made fertilizers that can compete with the European fertilizer market. So that's the main call. Um, we have fifth uh, pillars in the project. First of all, we are looking at... Uh, nutrient recovery uh, products and end products from different sites in uh, Europe where they are uh, produced. We are looking at the agronomic performance. What are the sustainability and safety aspects? Finally, of course, also the business models. And last but not least, the acceptance by the, by the farm so that we can prove the quality of, uh, of, of the product. Uh, and also for the chemical industry and the policymakers uh, to show that the products are, uh, are safe. Today, uh, in the project, we have five on-farm pilots running. And today we will discuss the Dutch one and the France one. I will present uh, the Dutch one. So the Iron Prince Farm, uh, the Dutch pilot, uh, pilot located in the eastern part uh, of the Netherlands. Here you can see the family prince on a package of uh, milk uh, of uh, Friesland Campina, um, making they making them, themselves strong for a better clam, climate. It says he's very sustainable mi minded. Uh, this this farm uh, trying to be. Become uh, yeah, a front runner in making use of his own production process and going to the next level into nutrient cycle and uh, nutrient management strategy. Here you can see his, uh, his, his farm at the right side 60 milk, uh, milk cows, 24 young stock, a uh, couple of hectares of grassland, also for nature conservation and, and maize. And you can see over here. It's a uh, digestion uh, plant also, so he has anaerobic digestion with a nutrient recovery system. And why is he doing that? That is, uh, what's, what's the main driver? And therefore, we first have to go to the Dutch nitrogen manure balance. And this is an, uh, a figure over the last five years the amount of nitrogen in million kilograms of nitrogen that is produced, the amount that can be applied on land in green. So finally, you cut here the, uh, the surplus. And over the last five years, it has been reduced. It has The surplus has been yeah, half of what it was in 2017. So uh, we, uh, we almost can close the, the manure ba balance 
uh, it's, it's becoming to, to zero, zero. Of course, we have uh, still losses to the environment, but production becomes more in line what can be applied on agricultural land. However, recently, this year, 2022, um, EC said to the Dutch uh, government, uh, it's over with your derogation. We are phasing out derogation in, uh, in, in a couple of years. Uh, so a reduction from 230 kilograms of nitrogen uh, downwards to the 170 kilograms uh, of, or, or per hectare. Consequently, um, 60 million uh, kilograms of nitrogen can't be placed anymore on land. So the surplus will increase with 60 million kilo, uh, kilograms from 26 to 86 uh, million kilograms of nitrogen as a surplus. So what we see now is that the total amount of required nitrogen for crop research uh, production is at least in the Netherlands uh, le uh, quite much greater than the amount of nitrogen in the manure uh, produced. And still we can uh, apply uh, less manure on land. So that makes that there is a need of nitrogen valorization out of manure as a substitute for mineral fertilizer. Um, and that means that the nitrate, nitrate directive should change in such a way that uh, products which are capable and as, as good as mineral fertilizers should be accepted as mineral fertilizers. It's a discussion now with the EC, the renewal criteria to be uh, implemented. That is very important that uh, that 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 uh, becomes real practice uh, next year. So this is the, the situation, and this farmer was already looking into the options to valorize uh, uh, the, the valorization of of nitrogen and his farm itself. So he has his own aerobic digestion. And the main reason to do that was because of the call of Friesland Campina. Uh, Friesland Campina, the dairy uh, milking produ uh, uh, milk producer uh, in, in the Netherlands, want to have a lower CO2 uh, footprint. Um, so that's why many dairy farms in the Netherlands are making the step to implement uh, um, uh, anaerobic digestion. Here you can see what feedstock is, mainly slurry, some farmyard uh, manure. In the past, some sugar beets, that's not allowed anymore. Some feed residues and um, total input of about uh, 2,000 tons of uh, products. And the quality of the diet you can see here on the, on the right side. Um, in, uh, in terms of uh, nutrients and uh, dry matter and organic matter content. This is the process scheme of what he has been doing on his farm on um, digestion and nutrient recovery, uh, nutrient recovery. So we have the production of cattle manure. Cattle manure is going to the digester to make a biogas out of it. And the biogas is uh, used in a central heating power to produce energy and also heat that can be used at his own farm as a sub, uh, substitute from energy coming from the, the grid and uh, heat coming from the grid. He's producing it by himself and also for the nutrient recovery in this uh, plant also. So that's an important step. Thereafter, the diatestate uh, is being separated in a solid and liquid phase. We are trying to do a sort of biological acidification to release a part of the uh, phosphate out of the solid fraction of the manure because there is also a phosphate surplus in the Netherlands. In that case, more phosphate will come into the liquid fraction and there we try to, um, to, uh, to extract it uh, to get an organic pea rich fertilizer. And the solid fraction 
will become uh, l uh, less amount of phosphate in it. So you can apply more of the organic material on land because we have also a limit on the phosphate application or on agricultural land. So by reducing the amount of phosphate in, uh, in the digestate and set it separate, uh, we are available to apply more on the land. The liquid fraction contains a lot of nitrogen and potassium, and that part is going to a stripper to get the ammonia to the air, and then it is um, uh, uh, gone through a um, uh, sulfuric uh, sulfur acid to make ammonium sulfate out of it. And what's left over is an organic mineral potassium fertilizer. So in this way, we are uh, separating the cattle manure products in different type of products, organic matter with a rather low pea content, um, an organic peerage product, a liquid product with a lower amount of nitrogen and a lot of potassium and an, a real rich uh, ammonia uh, product. So a separation of the main nutrients out of uh, the cattle manure. So the end stripping installation is operational at that uh, uh, farm. It's not always in use, only when he needs the fertilizers, he's going to use it and also taking into account the energy uh, cost of his, uh, of, of his plant uh, itself. Um, the stripper operates in batches, so it can stop it easily, can be easily uh, controlled. It works at a temperature of 40 uh, degrees. That's not that high, but the pH is 7, 8, and then it's, yeah, it's possible to extract already a sufficient amount of nitrogen that he needs above the 170 kilogram of nitrogen, which he can already apply by the manure itself on his land. The main challenges are to achieve a stable and optimal nitrogen concentration of the ammonium sulfate in the, in the batches, and also to regulate the pH of the product so that you can apply it at a pH of max 5.5 due to legislations regarding application technology. It's working. Uh, he's glad with it. So it's a, uh, for him, it's a big step forward. Here you can see the mass balance. So for the two last two years, what's going in? Digestate, you need some sulfuric acid for the making of ammonium sulfate. Uh, and then here you can see the amounts of produced bio-based fertilizers, we call them. So the soil conditioner, the wet orange pea sludge, not that much, but and the liquid uh, potassium fertilizer, ammonium sulfate, uh, and totally in balance. So the liquid potassium fertilizer is still the main part, but can easily be applied on the land because it doesn't have that much nitrogen anymore. So you don't have to transport it, to export it from the farm. You can see the nutrient content of ammonium sulfate of, over time uh, producing from 2021 up to recently uh, September 2021. So about 5.5, so uh, gram per kilogram, that's 5.5% of nitrogen in, uh, in this product. And the average is about 5.5%. Uh, there is sometimes... Uh, better conditions, higher recovery, but most of the case is between 50 and 60 uh, gram per kilogram, five or six per percent. This is a more difficult picture, but I do want to present it because this is what the farmer tries to do now. He needs... 140 kilograms of nitrogen on his maize land. This is just a scenario for maize land. A P limit of 30.6 kilogram P, that's about 70 kilogram P205. He wants to have 2000 kilogram or organic matter on his land and the sulfur uh, not above 10 kilograms of sulfur per hectare. And now he has his 
uh, he can use only mineral fertilizers. He has the, uh, also the bio-based fertilizers. He has his manure types, which can be the digestate or the cattle slurry itself. So he has different options to combine to meet with the end sources uh, on his land. So he needs 140. And we did two scenarios, just one based on the recommendation. So I want to meet as much as possible with the conditions over here. Um, and then you can see uh, if you only uh, apply mineral fertilizers, then the price will be rather high, about 600 euro per hectare. Uh, if you're going to be used bio-based fertilizers and mineral fertilizers, the substitution is, is, is less on maize land, not that much. Um, even if you got uh, going to use manure together with mineral fertilizers, then the bio-based fertilizers are skipped, but you can have a lower price per hectare. But finally, if you can use his cattle slurry together with the bio-based fertilizers and then less mineral fertilizers are used, he has the best price if you look only at the recommendations over here. If you do it um, together, uh, not only at looking at the recommendations, but also with the price setting, then other combinations are possible in order with the uh, required nit nitrogen. And you can see that in both cases, using his manure, the bio-based fertilizers and the mineral fertilizers are uh, much better in the case than using only mineral fertilizers um, and uh, the bio-based fertilizer itself. So we can make the optimum. And if you look at for those conditions, what is the amount of P applied? We are really exactly at the level that is needed. And also for sulfur, we are exactly at the level that is required. Only the organic matter, it's clear that if you only give mineral fertilizers, you don't get your 2000 kilogram of organic matter. But in this case, um, even using the cattle slurry, the bio-based fertilizers, and a little bit of mineral fertilizers, you can even meet with the organic matter uh, amount used for your land. So a real possibility to make tailor-made fertilizers out of your mineral fertilizers if you are going to do digestion together with mineral stripping into ammonium sulfide or other products. So we are looking at possibilities to make tailor-made fertilizers and to reduce the cost for the farmers to buy mineral fertilizers and meeting the requirements of the crop. Coming to my last, last slides, the uh, lessons learned. This dairy farm can become much more self-supporting. Uh, the biogas production gives a lower CO2 footprint and he can use his own energy and heat production. Now with the high prices, it's only benefit, benefit, benefit. And he has the option to sell the energy to the grid. He's producing his own nitrogen mineral fertilizers. He has a lower CO2 footprint also because of that, because there's no need to buy mineral fertilizers, mineral nitrogen fertilizers, which are produced with a high natural gas amount to produce the, uh, the ammonium products. And he becomes less independent of the prices of the mineral fertilizers on the market, which are increasing now due to the uh, war in Ukraine. He can do a better closure of the nutrient, uh, the farm nutrient balance, options to reduce, uh, to produce tailor-made fertilizers for maizeland. And he can even do that for each cut of grassland. So the right blending of ammonium sulfate, liquid potassium fertilizer, soil conditioner, and the wet pea slurry. However, it's an, another farm business plan. 
and additional farm at, uh, activities. Um, he is doing it itself, uh, but there are possi possibilities to do the outsourcing, for instance, for the nitrogen recovery thing. But in fact, yeah, it's, it's a transition that you have to undergo. Um, both biogas production and biocar, sorry, the, uh, both the biogas business case and the nitrogen recovery and reuse business case are separately positive, even at normal energy prices. So he earns money. Economical point of view, there are no significant differences compared to mineral uh, mineral fertilizers. That's another work package where it is uh, tested. And the environmental impact, yeah, that, that's difficult. Difficult to de determine the differences in real farm practices. We can do a lot of uh, experiments in the laboratory. There it seems to be okay. What is important is the 4R stewardship. So the right amount on the right place, on the right time, in the right form, uh, can reduce always, in any case, the environmental impact. And finally, there is one barrier, and that's the nitrates directive at this moment, because all nitrogen products derived from manure are still manure and has to account for the 170 kilograms of nitrogen. So the recovery nitrogen for manure, the renewal criteria that needs to be uh, implemented as soon as po possible. That's important for the um, um, for the circular economy and also for the farm whole business case and there are no economical and environmental aspects uh, that can be concerned. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you, Oscar. Uh, really, really interesting presentation there. So uh, I'm, I'm sure I can see the questions already coming through for from your presentation. So if you could just stop sharing for us, uh, Oscar, and um, yep. Nicholas is going to uh, share his slides with us then. So Nicholas, we have about 10 to 15 minutes or so. Okay, so I will present now a pilot coming from France. And you will see there is a little difference from Oscar Pilot's uh, scale. Um, indeed, in France, we developed pilots, but mobile pilots. We are not at industrial scale, but objective is to use this pilot, so pyrolysis and natural drain sweeping, to move from farm to farms and to demonstrate to farmers and to produce data and collect data about uh, byproducts, composition, and characterization. So in details, at the beginning of the project, to focus on poultry manure, and with these dry products, we use pyrolysis process to produce biochar. Here, it's a photography of uh, how pilots. And on the second step, <clears throat> we are more focusing on uh, anaerobic digestant, and we uh, pyrolysis um, solid dash states here to produce biochar, and we also try to, to work on liquid phase using natural zinc stripping to also produce ammonium sulfate and uh, liquid phase with potassium. So here you have just photography of how we move our pilots using uh, simple trucks for to to farms. Uh, just for to present we. We test these uh, pilots on farms from in, to the east of France, since it's uh, my region, but also in west of France, because uh, in these regions we have the same problem as uh, in the Netherlands concerning nitrogen surplus. Here, uh, first, I, I will start to, to present you uh, results from pyrolysis experimentation. So. We have the, the same steps uh, as whole pyrolysis plants. So first we need to, to, to green our products because we have screw into our oven, oven, sorry, and we are limited to 25 millimeters. So we need to green our products and also to dry 
which is uh, a long step and uh, expensive step if we are considering energy needed. But in our case, we use the sun, so no energy consumption. After we powerize projects and we obtain biochar, we, we powerize at 700 degrees concerning poultry manure and we reduce the temperature to 550 degrees for solid digestate. We are between 25 to 30 minutes <clears throat> of resident times. And pyrolysis gases uh, were bound in a flare and we obtain a temperature between 700 to 850, uh, 850 degrees. Here I present uh, and I compare composition of raw manure. Here is poultry manure in blue to biochar obtained from poultry manure in orange. So concerning dry matter organometer, we don't saw so much difference, but as we reduce organic matter, we are more concentrating in carbon and most of carbon is on organic parts. Most interesting could be Sorry, the nutrient uh, content, more especially concerning phosphorus and potassium, has we clearly concentrate these elements on fresh matter, uh, on biochar, which could be very interesting uh, on to test uh, potential of biochar concerning uh, phosphorus fertilization. And this table, I compare solid digestate, states, so the last results we obtained, and biochar coming from solid digestate. states. We also uh, obtained the same tendency with uh, concentration of elements of nutrients on biochar. And just one, two words to, to, to show you the yield of production, the treatment of one ton of poultry manure uh, results in a production of 267 kilograms of biochar, and for one ton of solid digestate, we obtain 320 kilograms of biochar. Now, I will present you the nitrogen stripping pilots. We also do some experimentation in France and uh, um, in different frames, and also in anaerobic digestion plants. Here. Uh, as Oscar perfectly explained, we use the same process, process as at uh, the uh, industrial scale, but we had a uh, heater to heat liquid at 60 degrees to optimize uh, ammonium volatilization. And we also increase the pH to 10 also to obtain a better yield for uh, NH4 uh, extraction. We have a difference ratio. Here we are at 200 ratio air to liquid. And also we use, we only produce aminum sulfate with a 50% concentrate. So we obtain a yield of nitrogen extraction of, sorry, ammonium extraction up to 85% uh, of initial ammonium uh, input. But uh, in herbivores, the process could be carried out until the, the desired NH4 concentration is reached with a recirculation of treated digestate for restrip again. Here I present a table where I compare liquid digestate here to effluents, so aminum sulfate produced and liquid fertilizer we obtain after. We are uh, in our ammonium sulfate solution, a concentration of total nitrogen between four to six percent, which is uh, which all part is on ammonium form. We don't have potassium and we don't have uh, phosphorus uh, for this. Concerning the yield, we obtain the mass balancer, we obtain the same uh, the same result as Oscar. We are between eight to nine percent of total inputs, uh, which is uh, on ammonium sulfate form, 
and for the the, the digested uh, the amount of initial digestate is also in liquid fertilizer. As a conclusion here for our pilots, uh, in France, we're more focused to produce data and to give information of byproducts characterization to uh, add this data to perform and to produce business cases. So concerning nitrogen stripping, we need to uh, test and to uh, on other farms and other liquid digestates to evaluate if the process and how works the process and also to demonstrate to farmers that it's not so difficult and which to to involve stakeholders to perform this uh, this process on, on, on their farms. And uh, concerning paralysis process, it's the same way we need to produce data uh, also to to test to test biochar produced uh, on the fields and also on board trials to evaluate its agronomic performance. Uh, and a big point is also to estimate the energy balance. In fact, we need to evaluate the potential energy <coughs> sorry, from each generated. We will focus on industrial examples uh, for this. Uh, yes, because if we consider literature review, sorry, uh, pyrolysis process don't need so much energy and energy produced could be used directly on the pyrolysis process. But the big point is uh, it's for biomass drying which need important energy uh, content. And also for biochar, it's an organic amendment with high stability, but there is some interesting results concerning the pre-bioavailability of biochar. Uh, we already done some part three years with, with uh, interesting results uh, in which P of biochar is bioavailable, but we need to confirm this tendency now. And thank you, everybody. Thank you for your attention. Uh, thank you very much, Nicholas. Thank uh, really another really great to see the practical examples, and particularly Brittany, which is not that dissimilar to some parts of Ireland as well. Uh, but I do know that there are there are issues there with uh, nutrient balances in that area uh, due to, to historic region reasons. Um, so I thank you both for keeping on time. So we've lots of time for questions now. So uh, we have some questions coming in so far, but just maybe a question to start off, Oscar. Um, uh, you, you talked a lot about the, the ammonium sulfate as a, 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 the end product from the process. And I'm just wondering, has has there been work done to to look at the, the greenhouse gas emissions uh, associated with ammonium sulfate, or how 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 safe is that from a, a climate change perspective? Uh, good good question. Um, it's it's safe enough if you directly inject it also into the soil. Uh, that's important. Like you all, always has to do with with dairy slurry, just injection in the soil then then it is really uh, limited. You can control it. It's as good as other liquid uh, fertilizers. Ammonium sulfate is also uh, an, uh, a product on the market itself as, mm. as fertilizer. So it's a direct su substitute of that. Okay. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Because I know that in Ireland, there's a lot of emphasis on the use of protected urea as a means of uh, reducing uh, our, our emissions and, and to, to the, the moving away from the, the calcium ammonium uh, mm, nitrate uh, that, that's being used. So, uh, no, yeah. just just interested in that uh, that uh, that just that the the actual overall uh, impact from a, a greenhouse gas emissions. I imagine there be some people looking at the the um, the webinar this morning who mightn't be as close to this as 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 we would be but maybe saying you know are we moving away from nature to a degree here where we're moving down the route of doing a lot of processing on 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 uh fertilized organic manures um what would you say to, to people who would be 
of that view saying, well, should we not be looking for more nature-based types of solutions to, to these problems? Um, that's, that has to deal with the, the, the type of farming that you are doing. I, you can become extensive uh, or you can become intensive. And if you become intensive, then you need to do something with your surplus of nutrients that you are producing. Um, and the best way is to recover it and you reuse it. Um, yeah, uh, we didn't want to do something with the, um, uh, how do you say, changing this, the agricultural system. We want to do it by just technical innovations mm -hmm. as a step to close the nutrient loop. Yeah, that's a decision. You can also try to change the way you're setting up your agriculture, mm. um, but you're, your you're, diet, you're, yeah. you do everything in order to, to get a better closure of you. But that's another discussion. It is, is entirely, yeah. you know. No, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I mean, look, they're, they're, you're presented with the challenge and uh, you, you've very innovatively come up with solutions here for to, to address those those issues. Maybe, Pat, we, we should go to some of the questions because there's some very, very good questions coming through from, from the viewers. Yeah, and, and I think there's a, 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 there's a number of questions where people are trying to get their heads around that, that issue of whether we're responding to uh, a regulation in, in what you're doing uh, and, and maybe, uh, I suppose, what people are trying to do is, is put it in an Irish context and see with, with a very different system where, where it fits in. Uh, I suppose a couple of specific questions. Uh, one is, why is uh, sugar beet no longer allowed in digesters? Okay, uh, then you are increasing the nutrient amount of nutrients on your farm by importing sugar, sugar bees with, with nutrients. It increased the biogas production, but Friesland Campina said, no, we want to close the loop at the farm, so don't include other products anymore into your farm system. So become a, a, a mono-digestion approach. There's a, a question in relation to the, the capital investment at, at farm level that would be required for this. And I suppose an, an additional question about the ability or the, the preference for having this on individual farms as opposed to being maybe a cooperative approach with a number of farmers getting together to give them scale. Yeah. Uh, both, okay. Um, the, the first uh, question was about uh, investments costs. I think you said yes. That's about um, uh, you could say hundred thousand, hundred twenty, hundred twenty-five thousand for the digester for this farm scale, okay. and also a similar amount, hundred, hundred twenty-five, uh, hundred fifty thousand for the uh, stripping installation. Together with pumps and everything, we are calculating now for three hundred and eighty thousand. So digestion and nutrient recovery, uh, uh, euro uh, for for the farm. Okay, and and I suppose a, a related question on that is, and I think you alluded to it towards the end of your presentation, is the effort of the farmer and the workload that goes involved that's involved in the management of this almost a separate enterprise and yeah. the potential addition of, of workload and distraction from the core job of, of uh, uh, minding the cows. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You were, you were becoming more technical, I think, but that's why I use the word outsourcing. There is a possibility that engineers uh, are going to help you or separate units or... Uh, or or, or further automation once yeah. you get this thing running, yeah. Yeah. Really, really. That's uh, uh, just a comment that came early on, uh, which which uh, thanks to you for a fantastic presentation. Just just, just in case I forgot. Okay. To add in that afterwards. You're welcome. There's, there's a, a question there. I think in in your slides uh, you showed a concentration of of some of the nutrients in the biochar versus the original uh, um, uh, manures, but the nitrogen didn't concentrate. So there's questions about what form is that nitrogen being lost in? Is it is it benign or is it environmentally problematic? If you understand my question. Yeah, I understand your question. So <laughs> we already discussed about it. Uh, yes, uh, nitrogen is on organic form, but 
it's not uh, bioavailable. So it's blocked into biochar particles. So, so uh, yes, you're right. Organic nitrogen on biochar is stable nitrogen, which is which is blocked on the soil and it's not available for plants and okay. for uh, soil, soil uh, activities. But the, the portion that you lose in the process uh, of paralysis, uh, the, the, the amount of nitrogen that you're using, what form is that nitrogen that's being lost in the, in the translation process? D during paralysis, so nit nitrogen loss is uh, gases form, so it's from it's uh, more if you have ammonium nitrogen, it's lost into uh, ammoniac forms, so it goes to gases. And it, in our case, we burn it, so we produce some oxide, uh, nitrous oxide. Okay, so so it is potentially problematic. Yes, if we have a lot of nitrogen uh, in our inputs, that's why we we try it. But poultry manure is not the good <laughs> the good manure to paradise because of too much nitrogen and uh, gases with a lot of nitrous oxide. Okay, okay. We have a question, uh, Pat, here on the, uh, the the level of supports that the farmers were getting from Campina or for the gov government to establish the anaerobic digestion or, you know, what, what level of of interest do, does the, the, the corporate... Uh, uh, the in industry have have in in terms of these types of solutions succeeding. Um, that's yeah, quite interesting uh, question. Uh, what we see over the the last five years, six years, that um, Friesland Campina is really supporting farmers who are going to do, uh, including anaerobic digestion and also nitrogen stripping. They call it the uh, jumpstart project to get farmers on board to make these steps. They get a higher price for the milk. So mm -hmm. that's the way they try to support them. Because uh, Friesland Campina wants to have a green label. We are, uh, we have a less CO2 footprint and we are recovering and using and reusing all our nutrients that we are, uh, uh, are using. Um, yeah. So they That's see the that as strategically important uh, yeah. for, for them. And um, yeah, in the Netherlands, we have a system that you uh, have green certi uh, certificates for your producing of, uh, of biogas. So there is a sort of uh, income over there. And for large scale plants uh, who are doing the real manure treatment and um, export of uh, the surplus, uh, they have also a gate fee for the manure, which they have to treat in order to, yeah, uh, to, to send it to Germany or, or whatsoever. So there are different types of financial constructions making this, uh, this a positive business case. But in the end, all the products should be uh, as good as the need of the farmers. They should be uh, they should have a high nitrogen fertilizer replacement value. They should be uh, have available phosphorus uh, in terms of uh, yeah, soluble phosphorus for the plants. So it's not only uh, getting it out or whatsoever, it's also making the right products and that the release of the nutrients are uh, in time of, of, of the year. And that is still, to my opinion, the main challenge. We want to in, in, introduce the circular economy. Um, yeah, and that means that we have to, to, yeah, to look in making the right products also. Mm -hmm. And reducing those losses to the environment uh, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, that, no, absolutely. That's, that's the whole policy about reducing the, the environmental impacts. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a kind of a complex uh, question uh, arising out of whether the, one of the impacts of what you're doing is, is effectively trying to replace 
some of the animals that are going to be coming out of your system with with uh, plant based uh, um, production, which then can which then forms as well as 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 the nutrient aspects, but also becomes a separate enterprise for the farmer in terms of the production of uh, potential production of energy. And do you see that as a a, a minor part of the the equation, this this kind of shift into another enterprise, or is it is it potentially a major part of of what you're trying to achieve? I I think to the future, upcoming 10, 20 years, this will increase, uh, especially by the young farmers. They are well aware of what's needed and the goals that we have to achieve. In the Netherlands, we still have a lot of old farmers now uh, and uh, no follow-up. They will disappear. The rights of production will go to other farmers. They will become bigger. So the possibilities uh, of the larger parts, uh, farms and also the younger farms coming up um, yeah, will give a change in uh, how they are looking into the, the, the farming system itself. I'm sure. Yeah, and, and I, I suppose another question here in relation to the, I suppose, the feed-in tariffs that are are potentially there, as, I suppose, if you're talking about energy at the moment with the prices of where it's at, it, it, it won't need uh, feed-in tariffs, but if energy prices go back down again, is development in this space dependent on, on feed-in tariffs being being uh, applied? Yeah, Yes, yes, it will, but it will shift. What what we hope for is that also farmers can be paid or um, treatment uh, industries can be paid for the CO2 credits. So if they do it in the right way, you should be paid for the, the those credits. That is stimulating. Then you will go not for just making biogas or water whatsoever doing it in such a way that you get co2 credits for it mm-hmm. or even uh, yeah, methane or uh, ammonia credits uh, by reducing ammonia losses so we have to co- come to a system where protecting the environment is going to be paid instead of producing just producing products it should be a, it should become a combination. So there's a question here. Why are the commissions so slow to allow uh, renewal? And I think uh, is it lack of understanding or because it's, it's it's too hard to change the system? So I'm I'm sure what it's meant there is is the, uh, uh, the the designation of the product of what you're doing being uh, chemical rather than being organic. Yeah, uh, this part making nitrogen-rich products, uh, mineral products, is is chemical. It's, it's not a way of of organic organic production. Um, why is the commission so slow? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, there is maybe a second agenda about this because the countries who are doing this are countries with high intensive industry, uh, farming system and the commission don't like those those way of producing products they want to go to a more extensive way and they see if we allow this then there will be more increasing possibilities to grow by these large farms and things like that. that's to my opinion the agenda behind it um, in, in fact the, the, there is a real barrier, and that is they don't want to bring up, uh, break open the nitrate directive. If you break open the nitrate directive, everybody can change what they want to change. It has to go to 27 uh, countries and, and things like that. Then we don't have a nitrate directive anymore. Mm-hmm. So it will be done by a sort of derogation. And each country has to ask for a derogation of this renewal criteria. And if that's the case, then yeah, they're working now that the derogation will be possible. Um, and that takes time, unfortunately. The link to organic, I've, I found interesting. Within Fertimanure, we have a you know, discussion nowadays. On one hand, the EC says, says we have to increase organic farming with 25% 
And the other point is we have to increase our circular economy. Mm -hmm. But the products of circular economy, like ammonium sulfide, is not accepted as mineral product in organic farming. So one way go to the organic farming and other way circular economy increasing, it doesn't fit with each other because the philosophies are different. So that could be an important option we want to discuss also with the people of organic farming. Yeah, how can we break this this part? Because we need each other. We need to come to the circular economy and we need to substitute the, the mineral fertilizer and organic products. Uh, we have to accept both new ways of producing fertilizers. There's a, a kind of a, a, a follow-on to, to what you talked about in relation to not necessarily the organ, uh, organic, but the, uh, I suppose, the... the, the the balance of the production system where I suppose in Ireland we've very much grass-based on, on grass and I suppose one of the questions and maybe it's particularly to, to Nicholas because their system is probably more similar to ours is this development going to push farmers to a more indoor uh, year-round indoor production system uh, potentially than the the outdoor system in that I suppose in that you're looking at the production of of manures uh, uh, into a, a plant, and, if, and, and I suppose the, the interest in, in in Ireland is most dairy farmers, for instance, will be uh, have their cows out from from February till till November. Yeah, uh, uh, which means that there's a very small amount of of uh, nutrient produced in that in that housing period. So, do you move to a, a system, or is there a, a temptation to move to a system that's more indoor to keep producing the manures and have that year-round production? No, I, I'm not sure. It's a philosophy in France to to have more indoor uh, animals, but must to mix biomass into anaerobic digester plants. Uh, for example, we. In France, in France, sorry, uh, policy it's most in favor to to collect, uh, for example, pig slurry or cow slurry to mix with bio waste coming from agro industry or coming mm -hmm. from each of us, and uh, as uh, and it, it's most on this uh, on this way to not develop. Indoor animals, but uh, had different biomass, different biomass into the same anaerobic digestion plant. We have the opportunity to do it because we have a lot of bio waste separate collection, uh, and so I think uh, like in in, in uh, all European country, but uh, it's not so a problem. And also in France, we are also we are allowed to add. Uh, to the limit of fifteen percent of uh, crops and energetic energetic crops into our anaerobic digester plant. Okay. So, okay, Oscar and Nicholas, I'm afraid uh, we have run out of time this morning. Um, where has that hour gone? Uh, uh, obviously, a really uh, interesting subject because uh, of the number of questions that we're getting through, and uh, I think this is an area that we're, we're definitely going to have to be looking at in Ireland. I know there's a lot of discussion around an anaerobic digestion as well, um, and potentially centralised uh, facilities there for for processing uh, manures. But uh, definitely, it, it is a very very topical uh, area. So, uh, thank you so much for your excellent presentations. Um, they will be available on our website afterwards. Um, and Pat, thanks very much for helping with quest the questions this morning. And I want to say thank you to uh, Yvonne Maher and Andy Boland and our production team. Uh, next week, we have a very special presenter uh, joining us next week, uh, Mary Donnelly, who is the chairperson of the Climate Change Advisory Council, is going to join us and we'll be speaking about the challenges and opportunities of the green transition. Uh, so, uh, Mary, very, very important role uh, that she plays uh, as chairperson of the Climate Change Advisory Council, which is effectively advising the, the government in Ireland on uh, climate change action over the next number of years. So we do look forward to welcoming Mary next week uh, and hope you can join us. In the meantime, uh, have a good week and 
And uh, I hope you all get to enjoy the Late Late Toy Show again tonight. It's hard to believe it's a, a year since we had this uh, uh, discussion. Um, so enjoy the weekend and uh, thanks again for joining us. Okay. I'm sure our presenters have no clue what you're talking about. when you're <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. It's a very Irish thing, Oscar and Nicholas. Uh, yeah. an, an Irish tradition around Christmas time. So uh, okay. we... We'll 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 send you the links. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Thank Take you care. Bye bye. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review, and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson, and thanks for listening.